0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, folks. Welcome to the Game Week 5 review episode of the 59th Minute FPL Podcast, which is brought to you by Fantasy Football Scouts. I'm Mark McGettigan, You'll find me on Twitter at FPL General. I really should rename the 59th Minute Podcast the FPL Therapy Podcast this week because I think that's what a lot of us need after a pretty frustrating Game Week 5. But we'll try to remain upbeat, we'll try to look forward and we'll try to figure out what we do after a lot of high performing assets did not deliver. So Game Week 5 has been a nasty one for many. A lot of wildcards will be activated this week off the back of it. I would say I'm probably currently 50-50 on whether to activate it or not at the time of recording, which is first thing Monday. I'll be spending the rest of the day mulling over whether to press the button or not. The European competitions begin this week with eight Premier League sides in action, so keep that in mind if you're making rage transfers. The Game Week 6 deadline is not until 1.30pm UK time on Saturday, as there's no Friday game and there's also no early kickoff on Saturday this week either. In today's episode, the usual format a quick review of Game Week 5. We will welcome a new member to the 59th Minute Club. The watch list will be updated, a few stats will be mentioned, listener questions covered. And we'll finish with an early look at captaincy and potential transfers for Game Week 6. I've also put a Game Week 6 wildcard draft together for those of you who do hit the button this week. There will be another episode after the Pressers on Friday afternoon. So make sure you hit subscribe wherever you're listening for that one. (laughs) A quick review of how the game week is going. One player left to play, which is Matt Turner on Monday night. I see his good lady had a little kid a few days ago, so hopefully he's got plenty of sleep, and he turns up and gets a clean sheet. The sheets might not be clean at home with a new baby around, but hopefully Nottingham Forest keep a clean sheet tonight. Banked the free transfer, resisted the young son FOMO, thankfully. So two free transfers to deal with a team that I'm not very happy with. And I think the fact that I do have two free transfers might just see me hold off on using the wildcard for a little bit longer. 39 points with whatever Turner gets. There was blanks for a lot of players. Madison, Bruno, Rashford... Jackson with his fourth one-pointer, fourth yellow card of the season already. One more and he will be suspended. Points came from Gusto with a clean sheet. Gabriel, redemption, got a five-pointer. Saka with six. Watkins chipped in with another assist. I think that's four assists in five games. And Captain Halland got his customary goal. So, 39 points with Turner. It's probably about bang average for the game week. A lot of people were worse. A few people did better. Overall, depending on what Turner does, I don't think the rank will change too much. Most likely a small red arrow, but hopefully Forrest can manage to keep that clean sheet. Lots of players there on the chopping block. Chilwell with a zero pointer. Do we sell him now? Gusto's probably fine. Gabriel still probably would like to sell him given Arsenal's fixtures. Double Manchester United midfield. Obviously, it's been a disaster first five game weeks, so I'd like to jump off at least one of those. Jackson's probably got to go two at this stage, and Watkins, even though he's chipping in with assists, I'd probably still rather have a midfielder in a 3-5-2 over Watkins, so lots to discuss on today's episode. Before we get stuck into the nitty gritty, a very warm welcome to the 59th Minute Club to Huang He Chan from Wolverhampton Wanderers. Go grab a seat in the corner beside your teammate Pedro Sarabia, who's been here since Game Week 4. So just one new member joining the club. Quite a few notable mentions. Always good to keep an eye on the minutes of popular players, or players we might be thinking about buying soon. Phil Foden managed just 66 minutes in his blank. Hoyland made his first start for Manchester United, but was taken off after 64 minutes, which did not go down well with the Manchester United supporters. Matthias Cunha at Wolves was very close. It was a double substitution with Hwang. But Cunha took his time. He listens to the podcast and he made it just about to 60 minutes. Jota and Gakpo did not make it to 60 minutes for Liverpool. Both players only played 55. Darwin didn't start. Came on and played 34. And that man Ben Chilwell for straightenly, also didn't start and only played 10 minutes at the weekends. On to the watch list now. Quite a few players added and removed. Players added, first of all, Newcastle defender Sven Botman. I've already got Trippier and Fabian Scher there from last week. Newcastle with the clean sheet against Brentford. I did fancy Brentford to score on that one, so I wasn't in a mad rush to get a Newcastle defender. But now that the Brentford fixture's are out of the way, Newcastle's fixtures look really, really good. And when we've got issues with players like Chilwell in terms of minutes... Manchester City defenders not keeping too many clean sheets and other issues elsewhere. Newcastle defenders look very, very attractive at the moment when you look at a fixture ticker. So, any of them, Botman, Fabian Cher, or Trippier, and even a double up, I think, will be popular. Mohamed Salah joins the watch list as well in a season where we have highly owned players like Bruno, Rashford, Jackson not being very consistent. There is someone who has been consistent for a very long time now. I think it's 11 11 attacking returns, or 11 consistent returns in each game for Mohamed Salah, if you go back to the end of last season as well. So Mr. Consistent, yes, he hasn't been explosive, but it's very hard to put a price on consistency. Certainly this season, when everything seems a bit up in the air and things are changing from week to week, you know Salah's just going to chip in with a few points, And he's looking attractive now as well. Fixtures in the short term are not fantastic. But I think the next block of fixtures, which is between the next two international breaks, you know, game week 9 to game week 12, Liverpool's fixtures take a huge turn for the better. So a lot of people have been kind of eyeing a game week 9 or game week 10 wildcard to get Salah in. If you're wildcarding this week, I think you put him in. And if you're not wildcarding, I think those of us who don't own him, we need to start thinking about how we fit him in over the next couple of game weeks. So that might dictate if you're buying a Newcastle defender this week, for example, you might want Trippier, but it might be better to go Botman to save yourself £2 million and leave the cash for Salah in the near future. Another player added is Doku at Manchester City. He's made a very impressive start in his first two games. Didn't really expect him to get a huge amount of minutes, but injuries to players like Grealish have opened the door. Doku's one, I'm not going to go and buy him wouldn't be on my wildcard if I do play it this week but watch list just to monitor those minutes and those performances because if he keeps playing like that, he could nail down that spot for the long term Pedro Neto from Wolves the very popular pick from game week 1 of last season we we picked him in the wrong season basically, I think he has about 4 assists already and he might lead the league for chances created among midfielders, need to fact check that one, but he's certainly right up there over the first 5 game weeks again we've got A lot of popular midfielders, but they're not all delivering points. Neto's ticking along quite nicely. So again, if you're wildcarding, I wouldn't rule out a cheap Pedro Neto. A few strikers added to the watchlist as well. Hoyland at Manchester United, now that he got his first start, and we should expect more minutes over the next couple of game weeks. Do you really want to invest in Manchester United at the moment is the big question. And Callum Wilson, who played about 100 minutes for Newcastle at the weekend, Isak stayed on the bench right throughout, so that would you would think Isak starts Champions League this week, which could be good news for Callum Wilson in the league if Isak's going to be first-choice Champions League. Now, this is only short-term because that can change. Wilson could become first-choice over the next few weeks as well. But at the moment, again, if you're wild-carding this week, if you see Isak starting Champions League, Wilson getting reduced minutes, that tells me Wilson starts game week six And it's a good fixture. I think it's against Sheffield United. So I'd be very tempted to go there. The issue is, if you're fitting Salah into a wild card, it's quite hard to fit a Callum Wilson in as well. Because he's about, I think he's 7.8. So he's certainly not on the cheap side when it comes to forwards. But could be a bit of a cheat code in the Premier League if Isak gets the Champions League minutes. Players removed from the watchlist. Rico Henry. Looks like it could be a pretty serious knee injury. Hopefully, it's not as bad as it looked, but certainly looks like he'll be out for a wee while. So, Henry's gone from the watch list. And, like I said, hopefully, it's not an ACL. Hopefully, it's something shorter term than that. Odegaard and Martinelli, I think I had them on the watch list. I think I removed them last week or I added them last week, and I'm removing them again this week. It's mainly down to fixtures. Martinelli's also picked up an injury. I've got Saka. Don't really see myself doubling up with Odegaard when you do look at those Arsenal fixtures in the short term. So, those two guys are gone. Gabriel Jesus is gone as well because he's not starting games. Ferguson's also gone from the watch list from Brighton. Again, rotation. There's Joe Pedro. There's Danny Welbeck. Ferguson is the best of them, but he will be managed, I think, given his age and given Europe. So, I don't think I'll be going there FPL wise. And likewise, Darwin Nunes on the bench again. So, gone from the watch list. few stats now from having a look in the Fantasy Football Scout members area, as I do every Monday morning. Not that I really wanted to go in there this morning after a disappointing game week, but here we are. Pedro Porro at Tottenham stood out, four chances created. Udogi is a very popular FPL pick, but I think Pedro Porro needs to start getting more serious consideration. Also, Kaboré at Luton also created good numbers, created three chances If you're sitting with Kabori on your bench, he could be a decent one to stick in your starting 11 when Luton have that double game week 7. So certainly wouldn't be selling him off the back of that performance. Matty Cash, who I think would be in my wildcard squad if I played it this week because he's just popping up in such good positions. He registered another two shots in the box in game week 5. Regardless of fixtures, I'd be quite happy to play Cash in any of them. Onto the midfielder stats: Mohamed Salah five chances created, as you would expect. James Madison and Pedro Neto both created four chances each. Kulusevski had really good numbers in game week five. I still don't think he's in the top three of Tottenham picks. I think that's Madison, it's Youngman, Son. And it's one of the fullbacks, maybe even the goalkeeper's got a shout at the moment. Kulisevsky, seven shots in the box and five chances created. Now, small sample size of one game week. If Kulisevsky could start producing those numbers more consistently, then he would become an FPL option. Rashford's a blank but very good numbers. I feel like every time I do this stats section every week, I'm saying... This player has good numbers, but they don't have FPL points. Rashford, nine goal attempts, six of them from inside the box. He also created two big chances. So I think Rashford has you know, shot ahead of Bruno, in my eyes, as the best. I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant to say the best Manchester United attacking pick because I don't think any of them are fantastic at the moment, given the way the team overall is playing. But if you're in my scenario and you've got Rashford and Bruno, I think... I'm probably going to lean towards selling Bruno this week if I don't activate the wild card. Looking at Bruno's numbers from the game compared to Rashford, so Rashford had the nine goal attempts, Bruno had just two goal attempts, and both of them were from outside the box. At one point towards the end, Bruno seemed to be playing right centre-back. That is not what you want to see, and you're certainly not going to see a Marcus Rashford playing that deep in the Manchester United back line. So, problems at Manchester United, but Rashford's good numbers... I'm going to hold him and I think Bruno will be the one to go. In terms of forwards, Julian Alvarez, if you're like me and you don't have him, he probably has to be one of the priorities at this stage. He had four chances created again at the weekend. He has 16 chances created for the season. So not only is he a goal threat, he's very much an assist threat. He's got... Those 16 chances created are the most among forwards in the game. And another tick in Alvarez's box that he's taken a lot of corners this season so there's a lot of avenues to points and obviously he plays for the best team in the league and in terms of minutes I think it's 490 minutes and 189 so basically played every minute bar one in the season so far yes people might be concerned Champions League's back will there be more rotation but Pep is basically saying he's almost undroppable and while the other guys are injured I wouldn't be concerned I mean even if Alvarez played 90 minutes Champions League At the moment, I still expect him just to turn up and play the Premier League at the weekend as well. So Alvarez very much in my transfer thoughts this week. Wissa, he's been quiet since the first two game weeks, but again, good numbers. Five goal attempts, four of them from inside the box. Maybe just not the most clinical striker, but if he keeps getting... That volume of chances, he could still be good value FPL wise, one to consider on a wild card also. And Ollie Watkins, no goals this season, four shots in the box in game week five. There was one shot in particular, and um, there was a mistake in defence. He was basically 1v1 and he just kind of delayed a wee bit. He had almost too much time and he, he gave the keeper the opportunity to make the save. I think that's, you know, a confident Ollie Watkins who's off the back of you know, three goals in four games, slots that one into the corner every time. So confidence is huge for these forwards and Watkins is obviously struggling a wee bit because he hasn't scored yet. Watkins is a tricky one, I own him. He's on the chopping block every week. But then I think to myself, Villa are good, their fixtures are good, Watkins is good. Yes, he's not scoring goals. So I, I still don't think Watkins is the weakest link in my team. I've got defensive issues, I've got double Manchester United midfield, I've got goalkeepers that might need to change soon. So I feel like I'll be sitting here and giving me 38. Watkins will have zero goals, 27 assists. And I'll be thinking, he's not my weakest link in my team yet. The goals will come next season. Before I get stuck into listener questions, a quick plug for my Patreon. FPL content creation is my full-time job. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support it and me, check out patreon.com forward slash FPL General or just Google FPL General Patreon and you'll find it. There's also a link on my Twitter bio or X or whatever that goddamn app is called these days. You'll get ITS podcasts, Thursday night live streams, Q&As, team reveals and much more. Any questions you have about becoming a patron, send me a DM on Twitter. First question this week is from Kate. There's quite a few related questions to begin with. Lots of people kind of panicking. Some people panicking, some people just not even panicking, just scratching their heads thinking what on earth is going on so far in FPL this season. If you're new to FPL you're probably thinking what on earth is this game? Should I quit? Should I never play again? Question from Kate. Is this game week something to be concerned about? Or is it a one-off due to the international break? So, in my experience of playing FPL, and this was kind of in my thought process last week, that, you know, I was resisting the Sun FOMO. In the back of my mind, I was thinking, the game weeks right after an international break can often be quite odd. You can get odd results. You can get odd player benchings. You know, we've seen it with Liverpool. Klopp was talking about uh, South American players. McAllister only lasted until half-time because he obviously wasn't ready. Darwin was on the bench, probably for similar reasons. So, yes, what I would say is, in-game weeks right after an international break, if it's a bit nuts, if the scores are pretty bad, if you have a bad game week, don't panic, because it definitely has happened a lot in my memory. Anyway, I need to go and double-check it, but I often feel like the week after a break, strange things do happen, and... We often wait two weeks, we can't wait for FPL to come back, and then it comes back and it slaps us right in the face and thinks, why were you missing me? Do you not remember what FPL is like? So, yeah, don't overreact. And now I say don't overreact, I still think this week is probably a decent time to wildcard for a lot of squads. And that's not just because of one game week, you've probably had a lot of players that have been disappointing you for four or five game weeks. So weigh all that up and don't be afraid to wildcard this week if you think it is right for your squad. But in my experience, game week five was a bit of a shocker. The same players who blanked in Game Week 5 could all perform well in Game Week 6. So, FPL, that's the kind of game that it is. Question from Sebastian. Is it time to hit the wild card? Sebastian says, I've got Jackson, Foden, Chilwell, Onana and many others not performing. Should I focus on teams like Villa, Newcastle and Tottenham that have better fixtures coming up? So, Newcastle, certainly good fixtures. Good fixture turn right now. Villa improving fixtures on the horizon also. Tottenham do have two tricky ones in the near term, but then improves after that. A lot of people are in this scenario. Jackson, Foden, Chilwell, Onana, there's Pickford owners out there. There's there's Watkins owners. He's ticking along okay, but it's very hard to keep a striker when he's not scoring goals and there's plenty of others. You know, Manchester United midfielders, you know, Odegaard didn't do anything, Sterling didn't do anything. It's a very, very tricky season so far. And I just feel like, and I'm going to throw in the next question here with it from John. John says, to me, in previous seasons, by now we'd normally see a pattern forming of who are good buys and who aren't. Does this season feel different or do you think it's too early to say? Yeah, that's exactly how I, I think John sums it up for me. We're going into game week six now, but it feels like, it still feels like we're going into game week one or game week two. There's information. It feels like the season hasn't really settled down yet. There's a lot up in the air from week to week. Things keep changing. You know, if you built a wildcard squad every week for the last five game weeks, it would look quite different most weeks. And, and that could be the case. Game week six, game week seven, game week eight. And that's what's giving me pause on, on playing it because, yes, there's a lot of things in my team that I don't like. But then when I look at a wildcard team, I think can I, can I confidently say this wildcard team's going to do better? Are these the Good picks for this season, or do we just not know that yet? Uh, and I lean towards we just don't have enough information yet. Things still feel up in the air, so I'm just going to try and stay calm. I'm probably just going to use my two free transfers, maybe a minus four, and just hold the wild card a little bit longer until I feel until I feel like we have a better reading on the season. And obviously, a couple of Champions League games as well will will obviously help with that. So there's plenty of teams out there this week and and I think mine's is a good example where you could say absolutely, you can definitely wildcard squad that, wildcard that team that week, this week, because there's probably 10, 11, 12 changes I would make and then you can also probably say the same that, you know what, a couple of transfers and you're probably not too far away from a decent wildcard team and then that extra couple of weeks of information until you actually do play it so I think in my case it helps that I've got the two frees. I think if, if I only had one free transfer, I'd be a lot more likely to play it because you know, I think a lot will depend on Chilwell this week. If it looks like he's going to play this week, that could save a lot of people from playing the wild card. But if you've got Chilwell, if you're sick of Jackson, if you're st- sick of Sterling, if you've got Bruno, if you've got a few other issues, then absolutely. But it's very much and it's cliche, content creators we say it all the time it's team dependent. But you've got to sit down with your team, assess it, look at the fixtures. Are you confident in which players are actually going to be good long-term picks this season? Or do you want that few more weeks of info? And I'm, I'm I'm in the camp at the moment of just having a few more weeks. But like I said, the caveat, I've got two free. So it makes it a little bit easier not to activate it just yet. But if you are doing it, good luck with it. And I hope that your fortunes change. Question from FPL Bafana. It seems unavoidable that at some stage those of us who don't have Salah will need to bring him in. If one has two free transfers, is now a good time to do it? Or in other words, why delay the unavoidable? Yeah, I mentioned Salah either. He is consistent when many others are not. Do we need to get him right now? I don't think we need to go out. He's not absolutely ripping it up with with braces and hat-tricks. He's chipping in quite nicely with more so assists. I think it's two goals, four assists for the season. And it always comes back to fixtures for me. So Liverpool have got, in the rest of this block, before the international break, they've got West Ham, Tottenham, Brighton. That's not easy on paper. But it's the next block after that that's very attractive. Everton, Forest. I think both of those games might be at home. Luton and Brentford. So I'm looking at game week nine is when you really want to get Salah for the Everton, Forest, Luton run of three fixtures. If you want to go and get him before that, by all means go and do it, but it's tricky unless you've got a lot of cash in the bank. I mean, I probably could do it this week, maybe with two frees and a minus four, but there's a lot of other guys that I want as well, like Mbumo and Newcastle Defender. So once once I go down that route, I'm probably not going to have space for Salah just yet. I'm still quite happy to wait and have the cash spread around, but if I don't wildcard this week, when I make my transfers on Friday, I will be thinking if I buy X and Y player this week, can I buy Salah in game week 9, game week 8, game week 7? So you've got to keep him in mind with every transfer that you make because it looks like, as FPL Bufana says, it'll get to the point where we probably just have no choice to go and buy him if the others continue to disappoint. Question from Ryo. Is it time to sell Chilwell? Ryo says he's twenty, the 26th best defender in terms of points and he's not playing enough to get clean sheets. Ryo thought about selling them after Burnley in game week 8, but Botman and Trippier look more appealing right now. Yeah, Chilwell is the big one this week, I feel. And basically, we need to try and figure out if he's going to play the weekend. Hopefully, we get some information from Poch or some positive comments that I will suggest he might come back in. Because if it is just one game that he's not going to play, Villain X is not fantastic, but then Fulham and Burnley... Game week seven, game week eight. We want Chilwell in the Chelsea team for those fixtures, and we want them in our FPL team. Now, if you've got doubts and if you don't have many other issues, then absolutely. Newcastle defender seems the most obvious place to go. Rayo mentioned Botman and Trippier. I think Fabian Cher is a really good option as well. Fine, fine to sell them. Certainly, fine to sell them on current information. But let's see what happens for the rest of the week. Let's see if anything happens in terms of you know can we predict. If was going to come back into the team, and if we don't have any new information by Friday or Saturday, then I think it is fine to sell him. You can always go back there, of course, so I think it's a tricky one. I've got Gabriel, and I've been wanting to sell Gabriel from the very first day of the season, managed to get five points out of him this week. Fixtures are turning, so I'm still more likely to sell Gabriel, I think than Chilwell. But if I didn't have Gabriel, if I had someone else like a new doggy, for example, I probably would be selling Chilwell for a Newcastle defender. Question from Grumdy Groupie. Is a Newcastle double up in defence a good idea? Yeah, I think it is a good idea. They have great fixtures. Sheffield United, Burnley, West Ham Palace, Wolves, Arsenal, Bournemouth up until game week 12. So certainly the next two You know, Sheffield and Burnley. Two promoted teams. If you're buying one Newcastle defender, you may as well double down and get a second one. Let's face it, it's not like defenders and other teams are performing very well. Trippier is the pick of the bunch. You've got to keep the budget in mind and what you might do with that budget in future, like I mentioned with Salah. So Trippier, if budget is no issue, I'd probably put Botman as my second choice then, just because he's only 4.5. As soon as the FPL prices came out in July, whenever it was, we said... That's a mistake. Botman's too cheap. Everyone put him in their team in their first tinker. Then they looked at the fixtures and they took him out and they said, I'll go back to him in game week five or game week six. So we're at that point now. So probably shouldn't overthink it. We should probably all just buy Sven Botman for the value. But if you want a little bit more goal threat, you know, Botman does have goal threat, but Fabian Scheer has that little bit more historically. Um, both players, Fabian Scheer and Botman, they strike me as players. A couple of niggles recently... You know, in game, and, and, and Botman did miss a game, I think. Newcastle really need to keep those two guys fit. Uh, with Champions League coming in as well, just I just really hope that their fitness can hold up because I do have slight concerns over both players. But, you know, Botman being the younger guy, um, again, another tick in his box for going for him over Share and saving the cash. But all three, Trippier, Botman, Fabian, Share, are good options. Dan Burns there as well, but I don't think I'd go there. Um, they've got some other options they can play at left-back now. Lewis Hall and players like that, Matt Target. So, yeah, I would stick with those three. And I, I still think Nick Pope's a good option in goal as well. If you're on a wild card, I certainly would be looking at Nick Pope as a potential in a Newcastle double-up in defence. The other reason the double-up in defence is attractive is it's because of all the rotation. You know, Barnes and Gordon have been rotating at points this season. Isak and Wilson have been rotating. Almiron's been in and out of the team. So, you know, defence, I think, is a lot more attractive than the Newcastle attack. I, I I I've got scars from last season. I tripled up on the Newcastle defence, and I'm not going to do that again because I locked myself out of Almiron last season and you know Wilson had a, a very good end to the season as well. So if you're on a wild card, it probably will be tempting to go triple Newcastle defence and it could pay off. But I would keep the door open for an Isak, a Wilson, or even you know a Barnes or a, or a Gordon could emerge as well. Maybe even Almiron again. So be careful with triple ups in defence. Question from FPL Brooklyn, who sends in great questions every week, so thank you for those. Alvarez seems like a must-buy, but is there anything that could happen in the Champions League that would make you reconsider? And I probably, this always happens, I note down the questions before I record and end up answering them before I get to the question section. Alvarez, like I said, I think even if he plays 89-90 minutes in the Champions League, like he has been playing in the Premier League... I still expect to see him in Pep's first 11 at the weekend. So he's got those 490s, he's got an 89-minute appearance, second highest scoring forward in the game, home to Nottingham Forest. The other thing about this is, with the deadline not being until half one on Saturday, Man City play at three o'clock, so there's a decent chance we could get a Manchester City team leak before the game week six deadline. So if you are thinking about buying Alvarez, if you're not worried about cash budget or you know price changes or anything like that, it might be worth waiting until you know half twelve, one o'clock on Saturday. You might get a team leak that says Alvarez is starting or is not starting, and then you can make your decision late in the day. But yes, if there's no new information, if there's no team leaks, I think we just buy him. And even if he is benched, 20 minutes is fine. And long term he looks like a good pick. Question from FPL Shoreham. Is it worth just biting the bullet and removing Jackson for Alvarez, even for a hit? So on this one, I think that's something I will be considering, because if I don't wildcard, which I'm leaning towards, I'll probably get a Newcastle defender for Gabriel. I think Mbumo for Bruno Fernandez possibly. And then it's question, do I hit Jackson to Alvarez? And I think I do like it. Jackson plays Villa, difficult fixture. Alvarez is home to Forrest. And if you factor in the fact that Jackson has the four yellows, if he's going to be suspended soon anyway, you're probably going to get an extra game out of out of Alvarez. So I do I don't mind the minus four. Now maybe ask me that again on Friday and I might have a different opinion after the Champions League and what and whatever else. So we will come back to that. But I think it's something I think there's a good chance I could end up on Saturday afternoon. Maybe I've already made two transfers Newcastle Defender and then Bumo. And then on Saturday afternoon, I might be waiting for a team leak. And if Alvarez is in the team before the deadline, maybe I do take the minus four for Jackson. So yeah, I think I do like the I think I do like the hit there. Question from Wayne Stocks: Watkins is on pace for a 170 point season with no goals yet. He hasn't been an exciting asset so far, but shouldn't that consistency be enough to hold him? I really like this post because it kind of reframed my thinking on Watkins. And again, it goes back to. He's not the weakest link in my team because he is getting assists, and I, you know, you could look at it in a different way. We're focusing on the negative here that he's not getting goals, but he is going to get goals, and if he keeps getting the assists as well, he could be an absolutely fantastic FPL pick. And the fixtures are good. Um, Wayne said he's on for a 170 point season. I think his best season was 175. I did a quick calculation. I think he's on 22 points for the season, five games. I think that works out at about 4.4 points a game so far. And if you multiply that by 38, I think it comes up at like 167 points, something. Now, I'm not a mathematician, so do not go back and check those numbers. Um, But what it's telling me is Watkins is still an okay pick. And like I said, I've got defensive issues. I'd rather sell Jackson than Watkins. I'd rather sell Bruno than Watkins. So looking a little bit deeper as well. Aston Villa are second in the league for XG behind Manchester City. So Villa are a good attacking team. And until game week 12, they're top of the fixture ticker along with Luton. So if Luton didn't have a double game week, Luton would not be top of the ticker and Aston Villa would be. So Villa's fixtures, Chelsea, Brighton, Wolves, West Ham, Luton, Forest and Fulham. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm sitting here in the third international break of the season, going into game week 13 and Watkins could still be in my team because... If other fires keep arising, he might just survive until I play the wild card. So, thanks for the thanks for the post, Wayne, because it made me think about Watkins in a different way. Uh, and and he's probably going to survive because I've got other bigger issues. Question from Shane: Manchester United and Chelsea assets are testing me this season. Great fixtures, but terrible form. How do we know when it's time to say goodbye? That is. The million dollar question in FPL, how do we know when it's time to say goodbye? And also, you could put it the other way, if you're thinking about buying a player, how do you know when it's time to say hello? If we could answer those two questions consistently well over 38 game weeks, you're probably going to win the whole thing. Very, very hard to do. I think my reply to this question, if you're heavily invested in Chelsea and Manchester United, even though the fixtures are okay, I think it's time to... ...take some assets out of our squads. I've got Bruno and Rashford. I want to lose one of them. Probably Bruno. I've got triple Chelsea, Gusto, Chilwell, Jackson. I want to lose some of those as well. So probably Jackson will go first. Chilwell might survive. Gusto's fine because he's so cheap... ...and he's easily benchable as well. So, yeah. fixtures are good, but the form is not good. FPL points are certainly not good. So I think if you've got a lot of them... ...if you've got five or six players from City... ...sorry, Manchester United and Chelsea you should start losing them. It's funny that City came in there as a slip of the tongue. Maybe that's where we need to be going when we're selling the selling those players. Question from Nathan, with no moves to make, is it worth getting rid of Onana? I've well and truly had enough of him. Could even get Ariola against Liverpool this week as I think you'd get more points, but it's a long-term move. Onana, yeah, I if you're thinking that Ariola is the best replacement, I would wait one week. You know, against Liverpool, you're not expecting a clean sheet for Ariola, yes, maybe some saves. Onana has Burnley. So just give it one more. Give Onana Burnley and then go to Ariola afterwards if you're if you're dead set and losing Onana. I don't think you need to make that move this week. And I do think I've been thinking a lot about Ariola. I feel like I think he's four point one million. I, I think you know what meant in kind of in a mental way, us managers because a goalkeeper is four million, we don't put him on the same level as the 4.5 options, if Ariola was 4.5 or 4.6, I think we could be saying he's the best cheap goalkeeper in the game. Now, he probably is the best cheap goalkeeper in the game, but I think we need to kind of reframe it. He's, he's basically a 4.5, 4.6 goalkeeper, but because he's only 4.1, a lot of us are kind of thinking, he could be my second-choice goalkeeper. But I think we need to be thinking that he could be the first-choice goalkeeper, you know, like a Flecken, or, you know, people at Pickford at the start. You know, is certainly a better better player than than Jordan Pickford. So, what I'm saying here is, if you're on a wild card, you don't need Ariola to be your second-choice goalkeeper. He could actually be your first-choice goalkeeper. And if you're selling Onana, if you're selling Pickford, you can go to Ariola and just play him as a set-and-forget goalkeeper. He's getting nine or ten saves in some games against the bigger opponents. So, he's looking like a really, really good pick. And he could, if he keeps going the way he's going, it wouldn't surprise me to see him in the top two or three goalkeepers come the end of the season. So, just try and not let the price of Ariola influence your decision too much in terms of whether he's your first-choice goalkeeper or your second. A question from Andy Williams on goalkeepers. I've got Johnson and Turner. Is it time to rethink my goalkeeper options? And if so, who to target as a replacement? Yeah, I've got the same two. And I'm just hopeful, more than anything, that we can survive, survive a bit longer. Uh, as long as one of them keep their place, hopefully we can just survive until we do play the first wild card. Obviously, if you are playing a wild card this week, you don't go for Johnson and Turner. I've mentioned a few times at the start of the podcast, I'm hoping for a Turner clean sheet on Monday night. Who knows, he might not even play. You know, The new guy might come in straight away Monday night, especially if Turner's had a had a few sleepless nights. Maybe, maybe that's the time to make the goalkeeper switch for Steve Cooper. Johnston, I do expect Henderson to come in at some point, but there's no guarantee that that will be soon. Uh, and that's another reason why I don't feel the need to wildcard this, because Johnson has a good fixture. I think he's home to Fulham. And if he keeps his place... You know, I'm quite happy to use him as my goalkeeper this week. And I think game 6, 7 and 8, there's still a good rotation between Johnson and Turner in terms of fixtures if both of them keep their place. And obviously that's a big if, especially I think in the case of Turner. But fingers crossed, I don't think, it's one of those, Andy, that it's not a problem until it is a problem. And we just keep going with what we've got in goal until we're forced to make a change. Final question from the local stigmatic. Are there... Are there now any circumstances where it makes sense to take the armband off Haaland? Last year's FPL winner said that by captaining the Norwegian just 18 times was the main differential in them rising up the ranks to the number one spot. But if Haaland is still managing to score away at the most robust, low-block team in the league, is this now a doomed strategy? For me, it's, it's simple. Haaland is incredible. Doesn't matter who the opponent is, he's going to get goals. So I just... I like taking decisions out of FPL. A lot of people went against Haaland this week and went for a heung Son. I think I was perfectly viable. And I probably would have been considering it myself if I owned Son. But I do remember saying to a few people last week, I think if I owned Son, it would be enough for me rather than giving the armband as well, doubling down. I still would have been on Captain Haaland even if I owned Son last week. Just because I went into the season with a very simple strategy, auto-Captain Haaland until there's rotation or an injury. And he only scored once at the weekend I think he had f- I think he had six it's either five or six big chances in that game if you watch the highlights he missed some incredible chances uncharacteristically so I think those who went against Haaland in game week five can count themselves lucky because that could have been a hat trick it could have been four goals could have been five goals so if you went against him I think if that was me I'd be thinking phew I was lucky there I'm not doing that again so I would just be on on Haaland for the foreseeable future <laughs> Moving on to captaincy transfers and a wildcard draft now. Captaincy, as you can guess, Mr. Haaland is at home to Nottingham Forest. You do not overthink it. If you are a crazy person and you want to do something else, and Mbumo's at home to Everton. Salah at home to West Ham, I don't mind either, but certainly Haaland gets my pick this week. In terms of transfers, leaning towards not wildcarding, have two freeze What I've looked at, Monday morning, and this will probably change throughout the week, but it's good to note down your initial thoughts. Gabriel to Trippier, Bruno Fernandes to Mbumo, and Jackson to Alvarez, which would be a minus four. And straight away, the team would be looking a lot closer to how I want it to look. And it wouldn't be a million miles away from a wild card. And again, when I think about wild carding, a lot of the time, you know, in the last day or two, I think if I wild carded, where would I go? I'm not even sure because it comes back to that that this season hasn't really settled down yet. And I can't confidently say which players are going to be good long-term. So, yeah, Trippier, Bumo and Alvarez, three transfer targets to come in. And as I mentioned earlier, Gabriel to Trippier could also be Gabriel to Botman, just to save some cash, possibly with Mohamed Salah in mind. And instead of selling Gabriel, I could also sell Chilwell. So, I'll see how things look on Friday's episode. So if you are wildcarding this week, I think wildcard drafts will look something similar to this. Now I put this draft together on Sunday night, it had 0.0 in the bank. I think Mbuma went up in price Sunday night, Monday morning, so it's already 0.1 short, but that can always be fixed somewhere. So a wildcard draft for me would look something like Ariola and Flecken, Trippier and Botman, and then something like Cash and Udogi you know, you know, four decent defenders. You've always got one decent defender on the bench. Then it will be a three point nine non playing option. I think I went for Chris Richards here from Crystal Palace. Midfield five of Saka would stay, Mbuma would come in, Madison would stay, Salah would come in. The fifth midfield spot I wasn't sure about. Because I think I only had 6.1. So I put in Ward-Prowse here. He's been very consistent. If you don't go for Ward-Prowse, you could go 3-4-3. And go for a cheaper forward. Maybe an Edward or something like that. And up front, Haaland, Julian Alvarez and Archer on the bench. So if you are wildcarding, I don't think you're going to be a million miles away from that setup. So best of luck if you are wildcarding. And those of us who don't wildcard, I think that will be me. Hopefully we can keep pace and then get an advantage when we do wildcard a little bit later. That is it for today's episode. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you have a good week. Enjoy the Champions League. My advice would be not to play UEFA Champions League fantasy. I've played it before. But i found that I just like switching off during the week. FPL is stressful enough at the moment, so avoid the pain midweek as well and just enjoy the games as a pure watch. If you're not interested in the Patreon stuff, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash FPL General. I'll talk to you all again on Friday after the pressers.